Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Very excited to announce the newest podcast to the Ringer Podcast Network family. It's Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. So this pod is gambling, 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 and more gambling. Yes, I have a gambling problem, and yeah. I want to share it with you. I want to yeah. make it your problem. And it's not just football. NHL playoffs, uh, NBA playoffs, baseball, horse racing, there's boxing, UFC. When we hit- SummerSlam. Oh, all the wrestling. When we hit July, we have a, a hot dog eating contest for Nathan's. And some surprise celebrity guests. Yeah. All right. It's Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcast. And we're thinking about once a week, right? Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me today is Jason Concepcion, staff writer for the Ringer, a.k.a. at Network. Hello, Jason. Uh, you know what I think the Rockets should do after last night's loss? I think they need to blow it up. I would blow it up. I feel like it's Tuesday. <laughs> I think they Kevin should blow O'Connor. it up. <laughs> I also think the uh, I think the Raptors should blow it up. I would blow up. I think, you know, the Wizards should maybe consider blowing it up why are you trying to take kevin <laughs> o'connor's i mean that's that's his corner man don't try it to, up. don't try to take it my favorite i just, and everybody I just have knows, to agree with him everybody knows how much i love kevin but th- that was one of my favorite playoff moments was last night bill simmons retweeting a conversation i was having with him and then kevin being like oh, i don't want to blow everybody up there's blow just a few up. teams oh stop kevin you want to blow every damn team up blow it up <laughs> blow it up let's <laughs> blow it all up i love it all, all these bum teams blow it up I, it's my favorite thing all right before we get favorite. before we get into the playoffs and the games that took place last night and what we witnessed and the games that are going to resume tonight you have moved out to California. So I want to hear as a, you've been a, your East Coast guy. Um, you're, I mean, this is like Biggie moving to LA. And so well, you've lost the rap battle, East Coast, West Coast, because <laughs> you now have, you've now gone there. Um, yeah. But I want to hear now, like, what is living like? You have been a New York guy and now you're an LA guy. Uh, I'm not an LA guy. I'm an, well, okay. So what's it like the other day in the morning, walking the dog, I saw a coyote eating someone's house cat. That's legit. I saw that. Uh, it had the cat in its mouth and like looked at me and then went skulked down back into the Canyon. There's all these flyers up in the neighborhood about missing cats. It's like, listen, I hate, I hate to tell you this, but there's some coyotes up in here and they've been killing cats. That was like, you know, I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen predators loose in the neighborhood eating house pets. So that's a thing. Um, what else? What? It's, yeah, man. That is your first observation about moving from New York to Los Angeles? Well, I just saw it, though. I mean, if you see, like, an animal eating a pet 10 feet from you, you know, that sticks in your mind. I saw, you know, I saw a, a house cat eat a pigeon once. On the street in New York. What kind of neighborhood did you move to? I'm staying at my uh, at a friend's house that's kind of like on the side of a hill. So it's like a, there's just a lot of brush, and there, I get the, I guess there's these predatory animals, these coyotes, are running around up in here, and they're they're eating your pets. 
They're eating your pets. So I think when people think of, uh, you know, we see Beverly Hills or whatever on TV, you're on, you're in a different side of Los Angeles. Oh, no, you're I'm like, the, yeah, I'm, I'm on the east side. I'm on Just the wild side. coyotes everywhere. I don't know about everywhere, but they're around here and I've been seeing them. It was shocking. Let's see what else. Oh, uh, you know, everybody kind of, it's, it's funny because everybody looks like they might be in something. I was walking around, uh, Hollywood, just looking at apartments, like Beachwood Canyon area, which is, uh, it's like kind of under the Hollywood sign in within sight of the Hollywood sign, whatever. Everybody over there looks like, like the third cast member in a CW show. Like you're not sure if they're in something, but they look like they're in something. So that's like a thing to get used to because you're just like, ah, it's, I'm wearing sweatpants. And you don't want to, you don't want to mistake them, Right. You don't sure. want to mistake uh, in the case that they are somebody famous, that would be very it would be a big shot to the ego for you to not to recognize them from their work on the CW show. Well, I did. I did. OK, so here's another thing. I was walking my dog in the park in Elysian Park and Brett Gelman, who's a comedian, uh, used to do stuff for like Adult Swim and stuff, is walking his dog and he walks up to me and he's like foxtails. You got to watch out for these foxtails, which is a grass, like a barbed grass. And I'm like, he's like, do you know about the foxtails? I'm like, no. And he's like, uh, you know, they, it, the, your dog can snort one of these up and then it gets stuck in his nose and you got to have, you got to go to the vet and it's like a thousand dollar surgery to get out. I was like, wow, that's, thank you very much. He walks away and I'm, I turn to my wife, I go, that was, that was the comedian Brett Gelman who just lectured us about foxtails. <laughs> 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 How much were the apartments that you can see the Hollywood side from? Uh, you know, like the price is, it's funny. Okay, here's a here's an interesting difference between New York and, and LA. In New York, it's like cutthroat. Either you have the money or don't even go and look at apartments. Like if you have money to put a deposit down and you're willing to like cut your arm open and sign in blood and like kill uh, like uh, you know a hobo with a broken beer bottle they'll be like okay they'll tell you within the hour you know what i mean they'll tell you in five minutes okay you can have this apartment here it's like um i like this apartment can i like write you a deposit check ah uh, you know we gotta well it's like three other people that <laughs> called me and I, pr I promised them they could see it and so it's like just as competitive, but it's like, and everybody's super, super uh, polite, but it's like, they just drag you along. It's, oh, you know, well, we got to look at some things and much more laissez-faire attitude. towards Totally. Things. Where in New York, it's like, uh, I like this place. Like, do you have money? Uh, kind of. Okay. Get out. No. And if you say yes, then they're like, okay, then I'll look, I'll call your employer and make sure you have a job and then you can have it. Which and is more like, expensive. New York is technically, I think, more expensive, but it's like not, it's comparable. It's it like is. the same. It's, it's about the same. Yeah. Yeah. Which right. is like way too expensive. Crazy but expensive. The, but the weather's better, right? Yeah, well, the weather, it's not, it's not fair though. It's totally not fair how, how much better the weather is. Yeah. It's like sunny all the time. Right. We had winds. That's the thing. There's like all those like random winds. 50 mile per hour winds will just like come up and the tree will fall down. Like, and it's, it'll be sunny out. Last thing about the move, you spend your, I mean, you spend so much time there getting used to a sports schedule. And that was the thing when I was out there for a week earlier this year, 
it was jarring. Now, I happened to be out there during, you know, as college bowl season was going on, the NBA was going on. Like, I remember we went and did that podcast at Jimmy Goldstein's house, and I thought there was a replay, like on yeah. NBA TV, of right. a game from the night. It was a live game. Like, it was yeah, going on. It was like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm like, good grief. I could not... It takes a lot to get used to. It's hard to wake up and be like, oh, my God, like everybody's been doing stuff for three hours already. (laughs) You know what I mean? You wake up at six in the morning. You're like, man, I'm up early. Oh, wait, people have been doing stuff like they're almost ready. to. They're going to eat lunch in three hours. Have you figured out the sports like watching schedule? Uh, Not not totally quite. It's hard to plan things. And it's like the way I would do things in New York is I do all my stuff during the day and then watch games and then just stay up right afterwards and here it's like i don't even know what's going on like it's just everything is all happens before like 10 o'clock between four and (laughs) ten it's uh i'm still getting used to it i wake up at six in the morning good grief let's talk about what took place last night and that was the cavaliers stomped the raptors is this one of those i would blow it up <laughs> Too late. O'Connor already dropped the TNT on him. You're late on this. Your take is not fresh. Uh, yeah, right. I mean it's you know the Cavs just have too much talent, too much shooting, too much LeBron James. I, did you see that um, DeRozan is like, yeah, if anybody can figure out how to stop LeBron James, I'll give him a hundred bucks. First of all, that's not enough money. If you can figure out how to stop. LeBron James and you should sell your skills to an NBA team and, t- and teach them how to do it. And you should get like six figures for that. And the second thing is that, you know, Toronto just doesn't have enough LeBron, they, LeBron, the Cavs have like, wh- how many guys shooting like over 40%, five guys shooting over 40% for three. And then LeBron James is like putting in his most efficient season since like peak Miami seasons. It's just, they've, Got too much talent. DeRozan, um, DeRozan and Lowry are two guys that they're, you know, it's like their particular game styles just don't really translate to the playoffs where you play the same opponent for multiple games. It's just tough. Well, and the other thing is, right, you watched DeRozan last night, and this happened to him against the Bucks, where he had the, the just the miserable night. It was over from the field. You saw last night, I mean, five points. This guy averaged 26 points yeah. a game during the regular season, and they run two guys at him. And I don't, I mean, DeRozan feels like the kind of guy whose career high in assist is probably like five assists. But he has to be a good passer out of that. Like, that's yeah. the way things work. And if he is just this one-dimensional, either he scores or he doesn't, guy, you know, when they're running the two guys at him and making life miserable on him, He's got to chuck that ball to somebody quickly. I mean, that. I mean, hell, that's how LeBron does it. You know, they, I mean, they run two guys at you, and he just throws it to the open guy. DeRozan, he ain't much of a passer, and so they got yeah, a outside of Outside of Lowry, there's not, like, a really dynamic ball mover on that team. And that's, like, so I'm looking at it now. The Cavs are – they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys shooting over 37%. Kyle Korver is shooting 38%, and there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven dudes shooting better percentage than him on this team. Six, uh, Deron Williams, 66%. Chadwick Fry, 52%. Richard Jefferson's only taken three, two three-pointers, whatever. LeBron James, 48% from three. I mean, they, they'll 
cool off, but it's like they're just getting anything they want. And when you have LeBron James like in space, yeah, being able to take guys one on one, it's just you know there was a couple of plays last night where it's like PJ Tucker is just bouncing off LeBron. It's uh, yeah, it's yeah, uh, it's sad, but there's well, and, you, they, and, there's, and there's the other thing you come do. to realize is whether it is a. Uh, PJ Tucker or Damare Carroll or whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No. And there's this new generation, right? Remember, it used to be with, you know, Ruben Patterson was the Kobe stopper or Rajah right. Bell or whoever, and then and then these guys go out and get forty points and be like, all right, maybe maybe they're the Kobe slower downer, right? But I mean, like you can't be more efficient than LeBron was last night. He just murdered everybody. It's ridiculous. And you know, like, and the Raptors are a defensive team. And the league has really moved into an offensive era. Like you have to, you know, the Rockets are here because they're outscoring people. And the, and the Cavs are 100% here because they outscored people during the regular season. They were terrible defensively. Um, so the Raptors, hashtag blow it up, are kind of stuck between eras uh, wow. with with the personnel and with all those good teams right whether it is whether it is the uh golden state or it's houston or it's cleveland these high octane teams and you even saw san antonio last night the way grab every rebound right that's your chance right try to get that game lower try to play them in the you know in the 90s or the low hundreds which is a super hard task to do but then just destroy them on the boards and grab a ton of offensive rebounds and give yourself extra possessions. But if you can't do that, you're just, I mean, you're just going to well, get smashed. Spoken like uh, a very grit and grind person. This is like, <laughs> that's exactly, that, I mean, that's basically Memphis for the past four years. It's well, like and that's why never... they were good. That's why they were competitive against the best teams. Right. Honestly. It's like you, you look at their differential. It's like they have like a, either a one or a or a slightly negative point differential over the course of the season. That's because they get when they lose, they get freaking blown out. And when they win, they win by like one. But they do it because they just muddy up the game and they attack those little spaces of handoffs and passes. And say, but the thing is, you got to have the personnel to do that. That's what that's how Oklahoma City got up three one on the Warriors last year. You know, everybody forgets yeah, that but, series, but I mean, they just grabbed every damn. Like, if they shot the ball, they got it back, and if and if the Warriors shot the ball, they got the rebound. It was well, just, I mean, the other thing, the other thing was is Kevin Durant like took a defensive leap in that series too. Like, sure, he became sure. uh, he became another player. He became the type of player that we, you know, I wasn't sure that we'd ever see. Just the way he leveraged his length and the way he was able to just blot out the sun on on like health defense. He became another guy, and that was like a big part of it too. I wouldn't be surprised if Toronto could win a home game just because the Cavs sure. are, you know, they could they could dick around. You know, they, well, that they, was... they, the Pacers should have beaten them in the game three. I mean, Pacers yeah. were up by Pacers were up by a thousand just because it looked like the Cavs were dicking around, and then. Of course, Cleveland turned it on in that second half. What was it like twenty-seven points they came back from or something? So they they are prone to maybe just I don't want to say take a night off, but it ain't the end of the world if we lose type of game. And the Pacers could have done it. So if Toronto won a game, it wouldn't it wouldn't be shocking to me. What was that thing? What was the thing that, that LeBron said last year after you know they had to they lost to the Raptors and it was like going to be a six game series? It's like you know I've been in. I forget the exact word he used, but I've been in uh, tough situations and this is not a tough situation. They just don't, <laughs> you know, like I agree with you. The, the Cavs are a hundred percent of flip the switch team and the, and the, the switch looks to be warmed up now. Like they're defensively, they've, they've tightened up. Um, but yeah, they can, they can loosen up and I, they have, 
they have very little respect for the Raptors as a well, team. The interesting thing is if it does play out, and I don't think the Wizards are dead yet, but if it does play out where you play against, I'll be fascinated to see how those Cleveland guys shoot because what we have seen in many cases is teams that, you know, they always say role players, periphery guys play a lot better at on the road than they do at home. And that stands that's that's true, right? I mean, you saw something like the Spurs last night. They were bombing out. They were bombing every shot. I mean, they were they were making all kinds of shots last night, and their role guys were making shots. It'll be interesting to see: do the Channing Fries and the Darren Williamses and these guys do they all just keep up these crazy percentages when you know there's nineteen thousand people booing you rather than cheering you? Um, and it, it does, does that. Does Channing Fry does Channing Fry cool off from fifty two percent three point right. shooting to like forty? I mean, probably that's. Yeah. The, I mean, but even so, you know, like, know, it's just way too much. It's just way too much shooting. You know, like the the Cavs have, you know, kudos to them. They they looked at how they could best uh, ameliorate the kind of like LeBron's decline, and they figured, okay, like we don't want him to have to go one versus two guys let's just surround him with shooters and have him attack people in space and it's you know they just have too many shooters i will say this too um you given that they're not the the Cavs are not some kind of defensive juggernaut we know this derozan thing this is gonna stick jason you can't have five friggin points that is pathetic (laughs) five i mean the same way people were killing aldridge for having four in game one against the rockets you know, you're one of you're like a consistent all star, average twenty six points a game. How on earth can you have five points in a playoff game where your team you need that game like blood? You know, I mean, going down 0-2 is a is a death knell. So if you're going to have some kind of grand slam effort, this would be the one. Yeah, I mean, it's just he's, you know, there's just an obvious hole in his game where he yeah. is not a great shooter. Guys like that are extremely easy to defend. Um, especially in the playoffs where now you're playing one team and that team gets a chance to just game plan against you. You know, they just wall you off. They're letting him, you know, they're defending and they're defending him well. Like he's not getting to the line either. So it's just tough. It's tough. And it looks like it's in his head too. All right, Jason, we got to talk about the Rockets and Spurs. But first, I want to tell everybody, today's Ringer NBA show brought to you by Saks Underwear, the only underwear you'll want to wear. If you think all men's underwear is the same, it's not. You've got to try Saks. Once you do, you won't want to wear any other brand. Saks has figured out how to innovate men's underwear to make it the most comfortable, supportive underwear that you have ever tried. I love my Saks underwear. Um... Everybody knows, if you listen to podcasts, right, guys are talking about different underwear all the time. These Saks underwear, you know, you have like your regular, you know, boxer briefs or something like that that you would have. And then if you go to the gym or you're going to go work out or something, you've got maybe some Under Armour, some compression shorts. These are honestly the perfect blend of both. It's everything I love about both kinds of underwear and why I kind of separate them. Um, but now you just need one and they're great for the gym or they're great for everyday wear. And no matter what you're into, they've got you covered. I love their vibe boxer briefs. They're great for everyday wear. Super, super, super soft. Um, and every pair of sacks includes their ballpark pouch design. So it keeps everything in one place. I want you to try sacks underwear with my special limited time deal. Go to the URL, saxunderwear.com slash NBA. You'll get 20% off your first purchase. Go to saxunderwear.com slash NBA. 
That's Saks with two X's for 20% off your first purchase. I promise you guys, you will love these underwear. Go to SaksUnderwear.com slash NBA. Today's show also brought to you by the new Spotify original podcast, Mogul, The Life and Death of Chris Lighty. Hosted by co-founder of Loudspeakers Network, Reggie Ose, a.k.a. Combat Jack, Mogul tells the story of Chris Lighty, the music executive that changed hip-hop and shaped the careers of some of its most beloved artists, from LL Cool J to Missy Elliott to 50 Cent. Chris Lighty had one of the most illustrious careers in music and rose to the pinnacle of musical success before an untimely end. This story is broader than just music. It's the story of the American dream. Follow and listen to Mogul, the life and death of Chris Lighty, every week on Spotify now. Produced by Gilmet Media and Loudspeakers Network, new episodes on the Spotify original podcast Mogul, the life and death of Chris Lighty, release every week and they're on there now. Listen and follow on Spotify. San Antonio Houston was super interesting last night because I think everybody felt the same way going through the first quarter and then maybe even the second quarter, which is this is cool for San Antonio, but this is this is in the Houston range. And if you're going to play them in the 120s and 130s, then you're going to have a problem on your hand. Everybody was saying this is Houston's pace. This is Houston's pace. This is their comfort zone. And then it kind of still felt that way through three quarters. Houston had cut into that lead they were down by 10 at halftime they're down by five uh at the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter they just get bombed out jason well they had that um you know it's funny because everybody's like why is pop uh not going small in game one when they were just getting absolutely wrecked uh and i think you know like i don't want to ascribe too much genius to pop since he is he is a genius and i i would not um I would not deem to know his mind, but it's like when you do that, when you go with a certain style, that gives you like the credibility to go small in the second game ago. And I guess, you know, guys wouldn't feel bad about it because it's his guys wouldn't feel bad about it because it's, you know, you, you look at what happened in game one. So he went small in the fourth quarter. He had managed only playing like power forward mm-hmm. um, and against Houston's bench and they just you know, they they it's the it, they almost became Houston. You know, like they led them in three pointers at one time. I thought it was really uh, weird that D'Antoni uh, kind of abandoned Nene because I thought he was <laughs> I I thought he was like the only tough guy. He was the only one pushing anybody around. I know his rebounding numbers weren't good, but against that San Antonio team, you know, I just covered them for a whole series. You can punk those guys out, Aldridge, Powell, David Lee. Wow. Like they're, not, they're not there for a fight. <laughs> they're not. Those guys are not there for a fight. You, you know can I mean? punk it. We got to – that's – you can – We they got to put that on a banner somewhere. Well, I mean, are you, you going to – what, are we going to act like you want any well, – you, you're, yeah. you're getting in a street fight tonight. You, we, <laughs> go ahead and draft from those three. You want Aldridge, Powell, David Lee. Well, I mean <sighs> – Aldridge, I think, first of all, is hurt, and I, and Pop kind of talked about it a little bit last night. He looks limited. You know, he had a good season, and he's just not looked anything like the same guy. I mean, Ryan Anderson, like, blocked his shot in game one, which is, you know, that's shocking. That was shocking. Ryan Anderson blocked his shot. That happened. That ha- I mean, Lou Williams blocked Tony Parker's shot, and he looked, you know— I hope Tony's okay. It looks like he's going to miss the uh, an extended amount of time. But the 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 improvement in his game from game one to two was like whoa. Yeah. Heart of a champion, as they I say. I guess. Yeah, and you know Kawhi Leonard, 
that dude is freaking amazing. 34 points on 13 of 16 from the field, eight assists, seven rebounds. I mean, he was by far the best player on the court. smothered Harden, like just all the other stuff that you want him to do. The amount of energy that he expends doing that. And I never in my, even last year, I was like, oh yeah, he's a very good offensive player. I didn't think that he'd become like efficient Kobe, you know, like the kind of guy who's just, who you literally just give him the ball and go, okay these next four possessions get something, you know, uh, I never thought I'd see that. He's, you also saw last night, you also saw last night, it's juxtaposed against Harden, who had the three of 17. I mean, he had a miserable night. He's three of 17, obviously got frustrated. And you could tell last night he was playing for the foul and it just didn't work. They just weren't- <laughs> oh, last night you could tell he was playing for the no, I mean like, but it's but you no, know, it's playing for the foul, and then you see what it looks like when they won't call them. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, that's he, that. It's an important part of the Rockets' total game plan. If they if they're not getting calls, if they're not getting to that spot first, you can that really hurts them, you know. And and San Antonio is great at defending without fouling. So if they, it's that's like a really interesting like second level chess match right there. Well, and there was there was the series. <laughs> There was that series in the game that was so hysterical. Oh, all right, Patty so, Mills foul? No, all right, no, but that's beforehand, okay? The best one, that that one, he's already mad prior to because he goes flying down. He, he grabs a ball, and he's going flying down the court. He's doing his straight line stuff just past everybody, right? And they showed the replay on the whole on the charge that got called on him. Dude, Dwayne Dedman had been standing there for a half an hour. <laughs> and he just trucked him and then was like, what? What are you talking about, foul? I can't believe this. But Dwayne Dedman literally had just been standing there, like whistling, waiting for him to just fly well, into him. And then, of course, the Mills stuff, that was, I mean, that's that an all-timer. Tough. That's an all-timer. That was, really, that was tough. But, I, you know, like... As an aside, I think one of my favorite subplots of this series is Spurs fans getting mad when Harden flops because it's like it's like this weird like years of karma like switching and all of a sudden turning on them because it's like, you know, come on. Manu Ginobili, Parker is is good at selling it, you know. Manu made it made his made hay out of it. I'm not an anti-flop guy. I I I think if there's legitimate contact and you sell it a little bit to get to get the call. You know, that's just that's kind of the way the game is played, but it's like, you know, that's Manu invented this shit. I will the modern I version. Will, <laughs> I will I will freely admit I may have reoverreacted a little bit to game 1, but I still believe that oh, yeah. Houston has the ability to create really bad matchups for San Antonio. San Antonio had to win that game. Like, that was a yeah. back-against-the-wall must-win. And psychologically, we've seen this with teams that win a game one on the road and the second game the home team comes back and wins because, I mean, their their season, I don't want to say your season's on the line, but it feels that way. It It becomes way bigger, whereas – the road team can go, hey, we got accomplished what we wanted to accomplish here, right? Like they're not my work is done, but it just it's just not the same level of intensity. Well, I mean, with Parker out, it's just you know, yeah. you know, what happens to the guard rotation now? It's Patty Mills is gonna you would assume is gonna play major minutes and then who comes behind him? Is it Jonathan Simmons? Is it Kyle Anderson? Is it 
You saw Kawhi running the show. You saw Kawhi running the show for a little yeah, portion there in that fourth quarter. You can do that, but I mean, you can't do that. How how much can you really do that for? You can end quarters like that. Um, it's mm-hmm. just going to be tough. And yeah, they did have to win that game. It's like you're, um, Houston hit eleven threes and and the Spurs hit nine. Like if the, if the Spurs would love to have that kind of. Uh, th- made three pointer differential for the rest of the series. If they can do well, that, and how like, many times? How many times is Harden going to score thirteen? It's just not. Yeah, it's it's not going to it's not going to happen. And the adjustments will be really really interesting with Parker out. Um, with uh, is D'Antoni going to figure out a way to draw uh, Gasol out of the paint, which was like a, a thing that really affected them. Like you know, Harden played badly. Uh, he he missed a lot of layups that he usually would have made, but Powell was there for a lot of those too. So it's like they really couldn't get him out of uh, the rim area. So it'll be interesting to see what what D'Antoni's um, uh, what D'Antoni's tweaks are. And usually his tweaks are just like okay, more more of what we are, more threes. The, weird, the weirdest thing, Jason, over the course of these last couple of years, we have seen so many ass kinkings in the playoffs. And it's not always one-sided. It's like the other team, like one team wins by 25, and then the next game the other team wins by 25. Like there is a, and and that's why I think this Washington-Boston series, let's get into that, stands out so much because those are like amazingly competitive games. And while a series might be competitive, it just seems over the course of the last couple of years, there have been so many blowouts in the playoffs, unlike any time I can remember in my lifetime, lack of competitive games, especially when you get down to this round, because there's only four teams left in each conference, and you just see these ass-kickings all the time. So anyways, Boston-Washington. I don't think Washington's dead yet. Yeah. Um, and I think you know they got up double digits in both of those games at Boston. And at home... When everybody's cheering for you, it's a lot easier to build on that momentum that you've got going. I mean, their bench still sucks. That ain't changing, even though they're playing in DC tonight. Um, well, but you can't I think, get yeah, you can't get you can't get fourteen points and one of nine from three from Beal and right in with that bench. No also, way. they should have won that game. Also, I love this series because if you know, people always say. Or you hear one thing you hear is especially from like the old heads is like oh nineties basketball you know guys it was tough this is a series like nineties basketball only it's with modern style players like how about dudes are getting about, about, dudes are getting their teeth knocked teeth flying teeth, hey teeth knocked out pushed into the stands yeah. how about at the beginning of that game Markeith Morris going up to Al Horford talking all that shit yeah, I let well was it Markeith Morris I, this is my favorite oh here we go so, how do we really know though. Shouldn't he have to? Shouldn't Marcus have to Snapchat or or like Periscope at the exact same time that his brother is playing in those in those circumstances? Let me, let me should, tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something crazy. Because we have the, the mar- technology to do it. No, let me tell you something crazy because the market is so much smaller; it would never draw nearly enough attention, and many people don't even know. I swear to you. So I was working. Uh, I was working that Grizzly Spurs series, right? And in the game four, which was the epic game where Gasol hit the game winner, right? The game winning play was Andrew Harrison tracked down uh, Patty Mills and packed him against her. It was a chase down block, right? Yeah. That took place in that game. Before the game, for the first time ever, out by our TV truck, I saw. 
Aaron Harrison walking into the game. I, I'd never seen Aaron Harrison. Hey, I swear to you. And so all, when everybody, hey, when everybody was saying all that, Marcus Moore keep, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, what if Aaron Harrison made that block? <laughs> what if he played and we just didn't even notice? What if he was the guy that played for the Grizzlies in Game Four against the Spurs? <laughs> but I, how would you actually? My like, I, I love the part where, um, you know, like uh, where Horford came up and was like apologizing for undercutting. Markeith. And I was like, man, it would be great if, if Marcus was like, what, what are you talking about? Dude, oh yeah, I- that's right. That's the okay, thing. That, the identical right, tattoos that, thing is just bizarre. They, he, they took pay that's cuts bizarre. to play together and they use the same bank account. I mean, it's wild. And how honestly, who's going to say, wait, wait, it's hold gonna, on now. Hold on. Now. They use the same bank account. It's my understanding that when all that stuff went down, uh, previously in Phoenix, that they draw off the same bank account. This is hey, weird. It's crazy. And honestly, listen, I'm just asking questions. I think it's important these days and these times, just ask questions about things. Who, if Who's going to say something? Who would be the person that would be like, hey, you know, go ask him if he's Marcus. Just make sure. You know? well, did you? I don't know if you saw this last night, but and I, I retweeted it. Marcus Morris retweeted Bill Simmons. Yeah. The story ESPN and TNT won't touch. Yes. And then like did like the little crying, laughing emoji, and then said would be a great story. Like that doesn't. That's not. A, that's not a denial. Shouts to Roger Sherman who kind of roasts him a little bit in there. Like. <laughs> it's such a- what if honestly who's who's gonna stop it who's gonna say anything i this is one of the conspiracy theories i think is possible they look exactly alike exactly do and have the same tattoos and have the same tattoos they could pull it off they could the only and the only reason i could tell them apart in phoenix was the 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 jersey numbers no one guy's a better defender who do you believe, and this is a story that has not been covered um, even nearly as much as the Twins. I don't know if anybody's covered it. Who has been a more, in the last decade, or maybe even few decades, sure. who do you think has been more important to short men than Isaiah Thomas? Oh uh, in like centuries, Napoleon, he conquered like, you know. But you don't want to be him, but you don't want to be him. Like, you don't grow up. You, like if you're gonna be if 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 it is going to be befell you that you are not gonna be six foot tall, okay? Right. Yeah. Then you have to have and, somebody to, uh, no pun intended, look up to, right? Like, all right, short guys get the short end of the stick, as they say, yeah, and so these are the things you can't do. Right? I, I've never seen. I've never seen. You know, it's Iversonian, but but he was too tall. Much, He's but, too tall. Much, but like so efficient. Uh, yeah, but, but like. So Iverson was probably like what five nine, five ten. He was tall, and, I, he's, and he, Isaiah is like f- probably five eight, maybe. Yeah, Iverson is closer to six foot, way closer to six foot than than Thomas is. Still, the style of play yeah. was was somewhat similar. Isaiah is a better shooter, and he's just got like these. He had this move where he drove in, and he shows the ball like that kind of hardened thing where you take the ball with two hands and you kind of put it out there to try and bait somebody into, into getting the foul. And, and then when guys reach for it, it's just not there. Like he, he's, 
he's so deceptive with his footwork and his ability to, when he turns the corner, how he kind of lays on the guy. Like he doesn't, he doesn't always go for the separation. He'll, he'll kind of like slow it down. So, um, there's body contact. So guys can't really leap and get up over him. And then he just manages to squirt the ball up in there somehow. He's freaking amazing. It's I'm weird not, I mean, I, it's amazing. There's, there's been Spud, right? There's been like Spud yeah. Webb, and he was a big deal when we were kids. Uh, Muggsy Bogues is the superior player, but didn't catch on, right, right, in the same way that Spud did because of the dunk contest. Earl Boykins, but you know he had he was, Earl had some moments like with the with the really bad Warriors, like the Bobby Sura era Warriors. But it's kind of like a novelty. I mean, he, yeah. listen, I don't want to take away from what he was. He's an outstanding right. player, but it wasn't like everybody looked at Earl Boykins as somebody that like I don't know was very meaningful towards the short man. And I believe that I believe that Isaiah Thomas is very significant because he. It's almost like uh, I was trying to think of somebody else like in another realm that was short, right? That commands yeah. that much respect. And sure. It would be well, like, I mean, Messi is, you know, Messi in soccer. He's like, oh, that's five, good. Five. That's but good. at the same time, like, it, it doesn't matter because it's a ground bound game. Yeah. What I was trying to think about. You know, like, you know, like Tom Cruise is like super small, right? But like, imagine if like, it would be like if Tom Cruise was in these action movies. And, of course, they cast, like, imagine if, like, all the bad guys that Tom Cruise ever fought were, like, normal-sized people, right? Like, they were just 6'3 and 6'4. Like, you can't be the action hero and be five foot whatever, right, what Tom I mean, Cruise is. Well, it's, you know, Cruise plays Jack Reacher, who in the books is, like, 6'5", a 6'5 <laughs> military policeman, like, who... <laughs> fights four guys at once because they like punch him in the head and their hands break. That's what I'm saying. We, cre- we create even Tom Cruise. We say, nah, I can't be, you know, five, six or whatever he is. Like that can't be. I mean, right? it, Isaiah is just amazing because I honestly do not, I'm not sure how he does it. You know, like he had, he just has a, a, his bag of tricks is endless. And to an extent, I think this is how, you know, this is why teams keep, kept letting him go you know yeah. i mean the kings are just a mess but it, you you think it's fluky the way he can score in traffic against guys who are a foot taller than him um he's got super long arms and if you watch he's really good with his off arm in yeah. creating space both hands yeah, yeah he's and he's he's masterful of like at that jujitsu stuff where he, he can yeah. use contact to like to, to make guys slow down and not be able to leap up over him. He gets the way he gets separation. He wrong foots guys. Uh, he just has an endless bag of tricks and he's a good shooter, which that gives you an extra half a step. And you know, you know how mad I'd be amazing. if I was John wall, by the way, I'd have gone home that night. <laughs> and been like, dude, this is some bullshit. <laughs> like I just, it's, I just, this is a great duel. Right. Oh, because well, I mean, he played out of his mind. John he's been Wall, playing. Like, he's been playing out of his mind. Out of John his, Wall is incredible. Yeah, but it was like the first game he had, like whatever, twelve, fourteen assists, yeah. and then he and same way in that Atlanta series where he, you know, they did the for the culture uh, right. goofy press conference after he said, <laughs> "I said I'm going to go score thirty five, and you could tell coming right out the gate in that game too. It was like. All right, I scored my twenty points or whatever it was in game one. I'm score like I'm I'm getting buckets tonight. End of story. And he just goes and he does it. Yeah. He's incredible. He's forty points, thirteen assists. Uh he runs out of gas at the end. I mean, that's 
that's the tough thing with he played 47 minutes Jeez. plus the overtime. But I mean, it's like, you know, who do they let's see. They have Markeith Morris. Hashtag was it Markeith Morris played 26 minutes, Ubre 27. And then the rest of them, it's like Otto Porter, 38 minutes, Gortat, mm-hmm. 41 minutes, Beal, 47 minutes, John Wall, 47 minutes. It's just, you know, Bojan Bogdanovich with that that eight minute stretch. It's like it's just tough. It's going to be tough as the series extends towards the end of games for these. All right, so we're on the same page. If that ends on. up, if that ends up after the Washington home games, two to two, you would not be surprised at all, right? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. I, I feel like it's still going to be a long series. I do, um, especially with the way games one and game two played out. Um, all right, next one is Utah and Golden State, which will resume. Um, <laughs> is there any yeah. chance here? This is what no. we're down to. No, blow do it up. We, can you <laughs> can Utah win a game? Uh yeah, sure. You Utah can get a game. You know, they're at altitude. Uh maybe Golden State lets off a little bit. They can't get two games. They they just can't. Can't. I'm telling you, that series is totally freaking me out now because for anybody that listened to the Ringer NBA show on Tuesday, I did it with Kevin O'Connor, and we got into discussion about the line of that game and that it was 14. And I I start talking about it, and I said, you know the way this plays out. They're going to be up by, like, 19 or 22. He's <laughs> going to pull the guys out. And then people that bet on Golden State are just going to be begging for James McAdoo to make a shot. And and Utah is going to end up going on a late run, and they're going to end up losing by 13. And I'll be damned. They ended up, the game played out <laughs> literally. Like, I was sitting there, it was freaky, man. It literally played out that way, and at the last possession, James McAdoo had a three. And if he makes it, they win by 15, and if he misses it, they win by 12. And sure enough, he missed it, and Utah ended up covering. But that was a joke because we knew they were even – Utah got a little close. I think it was like maybe 11 going into the fourth quarter. They started off with that 8-0 run to start the fourth quarter, and it was like, all right, we're done here. Right, like the only thing matters is if they cover the point spread or not, because it just it just was not competitive, you know. It's not. It's not going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I I really like the Jazz. They should blow it up, but I still like them. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Golden State is just, you know, they're the best. They're the best defensive team in the playoffs. They're the best. Uh, they're among the best offensive teams still in the playoffs. They have four of the best 20 players in the NBA. Uh, it's, they're not, the Jazz are not going to take more than a game off of the Golden State's not going to lose four Maybe it's games. game three. Maybe game three that Utah can pull off. Sure. That's the usually the one, right? I, even in a, even in a yeah, series that's they, dominated, you know, it's first home game. All jacked you're at up. altitude. You're not. Yeah, yeah you know, team's already up two one, so it ain't it ain't that big of a deal. If all we of lose Utah's this one, upset about the about people, you know, criticizing their nightlife, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which even uh, even Utah people are like, yeah, it's the nightlife's not great. It's not great. Beautiful state though. It's been gorgeous. There. I love been- to look at it. Yeah, been there one time and I thought it was outstanding. The air I could, is, I, I, is crisp. Yeah, yeah. Need a lot. Need to drink a lot of water. You have to because you you have you're to. right altitude. A lot yeah. of blonde people. If you're, you know, if if you're, you're a fan blonde. of blonde the, people, blonde human beings, there's a lot of blonde people there. 
Last thing, your idea on how we could make the in a, in a fantasy world how interesting we could make um, how interesting we could make these playoffs going forward if we allowed teams to once they defeated the team they could pluck a player. Do I have this right? This is your, yes. I call it, is, it's the playoff snake snake playoffs. The team that wins the series can take one player. They have to drop a player, but they can take one player from the team they beat. And then they, and each time they win, they get to take a player. Oh, they can choose not to take a player, but they, yeah, they can take a player. Um, off the team they beat. Off the team they beat. Oh, so this, hey, this, hey, this I've, I've got, a, I've got, a, I've got a name sure. for this, Jason. Yeah. You want a name for it? Sure. Tell me. It's called the Kevin Durant game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did it. This is exactly what they did. So let's give all the other teams a chance for this. Now, there are wrinkles. First of all, you create an incentive in those middle seeds. Like, you know, like uh, the two seed all of a sudden becomes great because, you know, you're avoiding, you don't have to play the one seed until ostensibly uh, like the final, the conference finals. And you've picked up two players by the time you get there. And also, um, First of all, it's I think it'd be extremely exciting, and don't forget that you're you're adding a player who has never practiced with your team, doesn't really know anybody, doesn't know any of the plays. It would be chaotic, and I think it'd be fantastic. So think about so, okay, so yeah, let's ahead. just play it out. the The two seed sure. right would be Cleveland in the East. Oh, so, it's, yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland with Paul George, right? <laughs> Take Paul George, right? Uh, and who would they take from Toronto, assuming I, they win? I guess Lowry would just make him Kyrie's backup, right? I mean, he's better than Duran. And so Boston would have Jimmy Butler, and they would take Wall. So you'd have Boston with Jimmy Butler and Wall versus Cleveland with Paul George and Lowry. Utah with Chris Paul would be kind of fun, dude. I'm telling you, that would now you right? now they have a chance. Now they can take. You could say, okay, they could get they could get two games off of off of Golden State. They'll still lose. That's the scary thing is they'd still lose. But now oh my goodness! Kind of, and 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 I guess well, the Spurs would have taken Conley off the Grizzlies. They would have right. They would. They have to. I mean, and that yeah, yeah, they would have to. And now now all of a sudden you you look at them as maybe a, a probably a favorite to even with Parker out to beat Houston. You know what? This out. is. This is something like that. You know where you're not. You're never going to be able to pitch this into the uh, the real NBA. But I don't. I got a. I got a press. I got a press release from the NBA this morning. Have you seen this about the? uh, And I know you're a big gamer, but they have announced a a 2K esports league, and I have seen it. There is going to be 17 of these teams that are going to participate, and I, I I know about this because. The Grizzlies are one of those teams that are like, and so it goes like these NBA teams, like just like you, so many are now owning and operating their D league now called the G league team. Right. They are going to own and operate an esports team that plays out a season on 2K. Like this is real. Like, and it's not like, like they're going to like, they got to go and like find guys that are gamers. And I suppose there's going to be some kind of gamer draft. I don't even... I don't even totally understand the way it works, but it ain't like some kind of fly by night or a goof. Like they are dead serious about getting into this realm. And at least for the first season, 17 NBA teams are going to own and operate these esports teams. Have you seen this? 
I have seen it. I, I was at the All-Star game and I watched kind of like the um, uh, I watched the beginning of they had like a little tournament uh, sponsored by 2K and like Aaron Gordon Durant played against the guys. Um, and when they when the one team won, I think they won like one hundred thousand dollars that they split five ways. Oh, wow. uh, the, one of the guys, one of the players, mom, like just ran into the street weeping with joy. It's like a it, it's an interesting thing because, you know, pro gaming. Now I'm going to put on my gaming hat. Pro gaming uh, has a lot more impact than you think. You know, it's like the League of Legends finals last year. More people watched it than the NBA finals, like by a lot. Yeah. The thing is, it's diffuse. You know, it's like they don't all watch it at the same time. Some people watch it on the stream. Some people watch it on a different platform. Some people watch it the next day. I don't think that esports, NBA esports, 2K esports are going to have like the same cultural impact as League of Legends and Overwatch on the esports scene. But but it's clearly a way that the NBA is trying to uh, draw in a new generation of uh, fan that are more enmeshed in pro I will tell you, like listen, I, would not, I, I am now, I am a totally different person in regards to this stuff because of the age of my, uh, my child, my, uh, my older son, who is, he is seven years old, Jason. The idea that th- this kind of stuff, if you would have asked me three years ago, the idea that somebody, like that this could ever be broadcasted, two people playing a video game against each other would have been insane. And yet, what I have learned, and, and this is true, there's going to be a lot of parents out there that are listening to this podcast that know exactly what I'm talking about. These kids, they watch other kids playing video games. That's yeah. what they do. They watch, They would rather, my son would rather watch kids play video games than play the video game himself. It's the damnedest thing, and I don't really understand. <laughs> but there, And there's this like... There's this subculture, even amongst like his age, right? There's a kid named Evan Tube HD, and there's another. There's a family <laughs> called. There's a there's a there's a family called FGTV, and all they do is like try out these games and play these games. Yeah, and he and he watches them all the time, and sure. so. Yes, there's going to come a time. That's not that's not going to be abnormal to him. In fact, what is normal to him is to watch people play video games, and he doesn't watch anything on TV. Outside of like NBA games with me yep. or wrestling, nothing else. Like he this is why this no is TV why shows. you're seeing this is why you're seeing uh, you know soccer teams are doing this. Uh, soccer European soccer clubs are buying esports teams, even if they don't necessarily play uh, the digital version of their own you know real life sport. Um, you're seeing, you know, Peter Gruber was involved in an ownership group that bought. Uh, an esports team that plays League of Legends and Overwatch and a couple other things. The reason they're doing this is because one, just the numbers are so big um, that it, you can't really ignore it. Now they have nobody's really figured out the the exact formula for getting the money out of there. Uh, you know, like 36, 36 million people watched the League of Legends final last year. That's a lot. Um, but when you when you compare it to the amount of monetization, it's not there yet. But People are trying to figure out how to monetize it. And the other thing is like that audience, like your son, you'll find out is they're just really, um, it's more interactive. Like you can, you know, there's a chat window, you can send little uh, icons and bits and stuff to whoever you're watching. And there's, it's almost like a talk show that you can interact with. It's not even necessarily about the game when you watch a lot of these. It's just, it's, it's a, a lot like a talk show 
with uh, video games as part of the medium. Um, so yeah, like I, these traditional sports are gonna. They're the reason they're getting involved in this is because they want to know how to. Co-op so you don't this. look at this announcement and roll your eyes about it. No, you, I mean it's, it's smart. It's smart. You are it's way not, more in tune with the gaming side of this. And yeah. I don't know, like, I don't know if it transcends to, okay, it's one thing for League of Legends or some of the fantasy games or the strategy games. Um, and I know there was this, you know, there was that Madden thing that they ran on ESPN for quite some time. Um, but I do well, wonder, right? I, yeah. I think that's not, the thing is like, um, the interesting thing about esports is people, like back in the in the aughts, when it was, you know, early Counter-Strike and Halo and some console games, no one could figure out how, how would you get the audience. Then streaming came up. Now streaming's here, and you don't have to worry about broadcast rights and all that stuff. It happened organically. People just can create their own channels, and, that, and it just happens. And all the tournaments have grown up around that. So um, I think it's smart because it's not, it's not that – the digital versions of these NBA teams, then their esports teams are going to really have that much of a cultural impact. I don't think people are going to be, oh man, I got to watch the digital Grizzlies play the digital Knicks or whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> right, but what it's about, what it's about is uh, reaching a subset of um, plugged in consume future consumers in a way that you wouldn't be able to reach them normally in a way that they they understand in an interactive way. And then I think you'll see. I think you'll see over the course of the next decade, certainly, some of kind of like the 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 broadcast language of of some of these streams kind of like infiltrate into traditional sports. Like the thing about esports, when you watch it, it's 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 interactive, but it's also e-commerce. Like they make it really easy for you to buy stuff mm-hmm. when you watch a stream. So that that's you know that's a thing that like sports league would love that, especially oh, as as you see. As you see subscriptions, cable subscriptions, you know, decline, um, a a way to sell stuff directly to people like through broadcasts would, you know, that's appealing, right? And that's that's the other thing, right, uh, that that I've learned a lot about. There's not there's not a week that goes by where five times uh, I am not asked can I buy this on my iPad, right? There you go, right? It's because it's add ons. Right. That's how, that's it. Right. Yeah. So if they, if if your traditional bat and ball sports can figure out how to co-opt that kind of mechanic into their mm-hmm. own, how to how to take the stuff that esports does really well, even though I haven't figured out fully how to make money, how to, how to monetize it. But the stuff that they do that really connects with the, the generation of consumer that they, they're talking to, um, you know, the NBA would love to figure out how to do that stuff. They would love that, right? Super, super fascinating. He is Jason Concepcion. You can follow him on Twitter at Network, N-E-T-W-3-R-K. Jason, you're the man. Thanks for joining me today, man. Blow it up! Blow it up! Blow it up! Thanks for listening to another Ringer NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you on Tuesday. Hey,